My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with a profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. As we always do, we begin this meditation, this time of prayer, reminding ourselves precisely what we're doing, talking to our Lord about it. We ask Him for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. The most basic definition of prayer, the simplest understanding of prayer, which is also very profound, is that prayer is to talk to God. When we pray, we converse with God, we dialogue with God. And as we know, our speech to others, our conversations with others, greatly vary depending on who they are and how we're getting along with them at any given moment. So our conversations with our close friends are different from our conversations with some of our relatives, our conversations perhaps with our colleagues at work are different from the conversations we have with our friends outside of work or again, our family members. And depending on how we're getting along, if there's tension or if everything's going fine, those conversations greatly differ. And so to think about our prayer, to think about what we're doing when we put ourselves in the presence of God and tell Jesus or tell God the Father, the Holy Spirit, that we want to talk to them, we want to pray, really depends on the relationship that we have with them. And it also depends on what we think about that relationship or how it's going. And although Jesus tells us something about us and him that really should shape the way we talk to him, the way we pray. I have called you friends because I have told you everything I have heard from my father. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but rather I have called you friends because I have told you everything I have heard from my father. Jesus, thank you for this relationship. Thank you for your friendship. And help that be for me a way of understanding how to pray. To pray is not just to talk to a generic force or an ultimately powerful sovereign being who is God Almighty, the creator of the universe. To pray, at least when we address Christ, who is God come close to us, God with us, God, one of us incarnate. When we address Christ, to pray is to converse with a friend. And what does that look like? Well, Jesus gives us a great clue here, reveals to us something of the essence of friendship and of our relationship with him. I have called you friends because I have told you everything I have heard from my father. He's told us everything that he's heard from his father. He's told us all about his family. He's told us all about 
his relationship with the Father. And therefore, he's told us all about himself, at least all that's really important, really essential. And so in our prayer, if we're going to reciprocate his friendship towards us and the kind of friend that he wants to be and how he wants us to think of him as a friend, our prayer, our conversation with him has to be open and complete and total. He's told us everything. We have to tell him everything. The bishop who ordained me was a very holy man. He was the prelate of Opus Dei, Bishop Javier Echeverria. In Opus Dei, we call him the father, because Opus Dei, like the church, is a family. And I remember in a meditation once, or perhaps it was just a gathering with him, and he was talking about prayer, and and I remember hearing him say this more than once, and it struck me as important and helpful. He used to say, look, there shouldn't be the slightest film between your soul and God. And he would use a, a very specific example. He would say, there shouldn't even be like the slightest cigarette rolling paper right, between your soul and God. Not the slightest membrane or tissue that separates my soul and God. And how does that happen? What does that look like? Well, I think in our prayer, it means radical sincerity, telling God everything, all of our things, anything that occurs to us, we can talk to God about, we can tell God about. Convinced of this friendship with God, St. Josemaria writes in the way, you write to me, to pray is to talk with God, but about what? About what? about him, about yourself, joys, sorrows, successes, failures, noble ambitions, daily worries, weaknesses, and acts of thanksgiving and petitions and love and reparation. In a word, to get to know him and to get to know yourself, to get acquainted. And this is a great exercise in our prayer, especially if we haven't done it in a while. It's a great exercise and it's a great habitual attitude just to tell God things, to tell God what's going on. If we have some need or some worry, to express it immediately to God, just so that he knows and just so that we can know that he knows and just so that we can ask him for his perspective on it or even get his perspective on it. Many times we have some worry or some thought or some doubt that we just formulate it in our prayer and tell God about it. Immediately we get perspective on it because we've put it before God and we remind ourselves that God has a plan for us, that God loves us, that God can help us with that thing. To express something to God is to gain a certain peace about it and at least to move towards a certain peace about it because we're telling God who can do something and we're not hiding things from our friend. We're bringing it to the one who can help. Behold, our Lord says in the book of Revelation, behold, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, 
I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. Beautiful promise of a great intimate friendship with our Lord. And it's something very clearly that he's the protagonist of. He wants. He's at the door of our heart, the door of our soul, the door of our life, knocking. And if we hear his voice and open the door, he comes in. And he comes in to do what? Well, he comes in to eat with us. I will come in to eat with you and you with me. And when we eat with a friend, when we dine with a friend, this is what we do. We talk. We talk about what's going on. We share our concerns. We ask them how they're doing. We speak and we listen to each other. And not just about big things, right? About anything, about trifles, about our hobbies, about something funny that happened to us, about little complaints that we might have about other people without falling into uncharitable gossip. We talk about everything and anything with a close friend, with an intimate friend who we trust very much. I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this relationship that you've given me. Help me, Lord, to grow in it. Help me, Lord, to grow in a tremendous confidence in you. And give me a habit of telling you things that occur to me, things that happen to me, things that make me worried, things that make me happy. Tell you everything. Let there not be the slightest film, Lord, over my heart and your heart. Let there not be the slightest tissue, Lord, between you and I. St. Alphonsus Liguori, incredible soul of prayer, great theologian, doctor of the church, has some beautiful essays on, on prayer. And they can help us in this context. And I was struck reading them about how insistent he is that we tell everything to God that we share with him on purpose our whole life. And also that it should, it could be constant. It should be constant. Your God is ever near you. No, within you, in him we live and move and have our being. There is no barrier at the door against any who desire to speak with him. Right? There's nothing, the door is not locked. The door is not bolted. Jesus is knocking at the door. There is no barrier at the door against any who desire to speak with him. No. God delights that you should deal with him confidently. Deal with him about your business, your plans, your griefs, your fears, of all that concerns you. Above all, do so, as I have said, with confidence, with open heart. For God is not inclined to speak to the soul that speaks not to him since if it is not used to converse with him, it would little understand his voice when he spoke to it. Friends in the world have some hours in which they converse together, and others during which they are apart. But between God and you, if you wish, there shall never be one hour of separation. You shall rest and your sleep shall be sweet. The Lord will be at your side. You may sleep and God will place himself at your side and watch with you continually. 
I will repose myself with him, we read in wisdom. I will repose myself with him, and he shall be a comfort in my cares and grief. When you take your rest, he departs not from beside you. He remains thinking always of you, that when you wake in the night, he may speak to you by his inspirations and receive from you some act of love, of oblation, of thanksgiving. So as to keep up, even in those hours, his gracious and sweet converse with you. God is with us always. Jesus, you tell it to us very clearly. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so this is something we practice in our mental prayer, on purpose, right? trying to tell God all that's happening in our heart, all that's happening in our mind, all that's happening in our life. We practice that in our mental prayer, doing it very explicitly and deliberately. But then also, since we're always in God's presence, it's a wonderfully helpful thing. And it's very beautiful and true that God is always with us and that Jesus is always inside of me, that he's always watching over me, always very close to me. And so why not, right? Why not take that monologue that we have? Oh, what do I have to do next? Oh, how am I feeling? Oh, why do I have these crazy thoughts? Oh, why... Am I tired? Oh, I'm feeling a little bit depressed. All that, all those thoughts about what's going to happen, about what is happening, about how we feel, about what we have to do. Well, why not show them to our Lord? Why not turn them into a dialogue? And wouldn't that help us to stay calm about things? And wouldn't that help us to forget about ourselves a little bit, to trust Jesus with those pains and aches and sorrows and fears, and then entrusting him with those things, he frees us. He frees us to think about him, to think about others, to think about being more generous. Never forget his sweet presence, St. Alphonsus again. Speak to him as often as you can, for he does not grow weary of this or disdain it as do the lords of the earth. What a great comparison, St. Alphonsus is saying that Jesus, who's the king of the universe, isn't impatient with us. We come to him, we could talk, and keep talking, and keep talking, and keep talking. And he's not like looking at his watch saying, oh my gosh, I got a meeting with the secretary of transportation in five minutes, get this peasant out of my face so I can get on to more important things. He actually enjoys that we tell him everything, that we keep talking to him. If you love him, you will not be at a loss what to say to him. Tell him all that occurs to you about yourself and your affairs as you would tell it to a dear friend. Look not upon him as a haughty sovereign who will only converse with the great and on great matters. He, our God, delights to abase himself to converse with us, loves to have us communicate to him our smallest, our most daily concerns. Another great example. I don't know, maybe if you had a meeting with the governor of your state or some super important person, well, you want to go in and start telling them about what you had for breakfast or that the coffee ran out or, you know, that your kid was late for school that day because you were getting ready for the meeting with him. You would have thought ahead of time about, okay, what do I, why am I here? Why am I talking to this guy? And 
his time is short and my time with him is short. And so what do I really want? I'm going to talk to him about the public schools or I'm going to talk to him about the pothole that almost destroyed my car the other day. Got a relatively new car. I'm driving along and I hit this pothole so hard. Ah, what a frustrating, what a frustrating moment. So you're not, you know, you're going to tell him about something that he can do something about. And maybe you'll tell him what you're doing in the community so you win his favor. But you, you prepare, you give him almost a little speech when you only have five, 10, 15 minutes with some head of state. Or you try to impress him with some analysis of what he should do. Or you converse with the great on great matters. And St. Alphonsus says, it's not this, not that way with God. It's not that way with our Lord. He, our God, delights to abase, to lower himself, to converse with us, loves to have us communicate to him our smallest, our most daily concerns. St. Josemaria would say, nothing about you is indifferent to God. Nothing about you is indifferent to God. He's a father who loves with infinite love, which means that when he loves, he loves each one of us infinitely. I read somewhere, I can never find the source. I read somewhere in a spiritual book that God only knows how to have only children. And that's true. There's only one Son of God, the only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, because of our baptism, we are incorporated into Christ. We're incorporated into his body. We have a very real share in his filial relation to the Father. We are sons and daughters in the Son, where we're children of God, in the one Son, the one child of God. Such that when God the Father loves a Christian, he loves him or her as if he were loving his only Son. As if, and with the same love with which he loves Jesus, he loves Christ. The hairs of your head have all been counted. Each hair of my head matters to God. Nothing about us is indifferent to him. This is how St. Alphonsus puts it. He loves you as much and has as much care for you as if he had none others to think of but yourself. He is as entirely devoted to your interests as though the only end of his providence were to succor you of his almighty power to aid you, of his mercy and goodness to take pity on you, to do you good and gain by the delicate touches of his kindness your confidence and love. Manifest then to him freely all your state of mind, and pray to him to guide you to accomplish his holy will. That passage is very comforting. We want to use it to build our confidence in you, Lord. We want to resolve to share our smallest things with you more often, more directly, more sincerely, but I think it raises the question that if the only object of God's providence in a certain sense is me and my good, well then, why do bad things happen to me, right? Things at times that are very, very difficult to go through are very, very difficult to understand. Where is my friend in those moments? And there are moments when 
Jesus does this with the apostles. Jesus does this also with the saints. St. Teresa of Avila famously complained to our Lord about some situation that was holding her up. It had to do, I think, with the weather. And Jesus told her, well, Teresa, this is how I treat my friends. And St. Teresa said, well, no wonder you have so few of them, Lord. Formulating in a funny way this problem or this complaint. Lord, if you love me so much and you're all-powerful, why this cross? Why this suffering in my life? Why did this happen to some friend or family member? Something tragic and very difficult. Why do you let evil hurt us at times? And here I think we have to realize that our Lord Jesus is a friend who really wants us to be like him, really wants us to be good. And he trusts us with the cross. He trusts us with the experience of pain or suffering or sorrow or anxiety or limitation or even evil, some evil done unto us so that we can keep trusting him and respond with a great love and a great mercy and a great trust in God. It's kind of like what he does to the apostles. He's with them. They're having a good time. Everything's going well. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to go over here to pray. Don't worry, you guys. Just take the boat on the other side, and um, I'll catch up with you, you know, whenever. I'll catch up. I don't know what he said, but I'll take the boat tomorrow or come back for me the next day. But he stays on one side, and he's up in the mountain praying, and the apostles are going. And he can see them from there, gospel tells us. And then a squall comes up on the sea. And the apostles are afraid because the wind is very high and the waves are beating the ship. And our Lord's not there. Well, they think he's not there. He's there. He's watching. But he lets them experience a great fear of the situation, of what's happening in their life right now. It's very fearful because it threatens their lives. And then he makes it worse, at least momentarily, by walking on the water to them. And they look and they see a figure walking on the water. And the gospel says that they thought it was a ghost. That they think, oh my gosh, we're already perhaps capsizing and drowning. And now there's some sort of ghost walking towards us. And the gospel tells us they cried out with fear. And then Jesus says, be not afraid, it is I. And this is what happens in our life. At times we're with Jesus, everything's going fine. We feel good about our faith. There's no big problems in our life. And then all of a sudden, some big storm kicks up. And we have the experience that it feels like God's not with us, that God has abandoned us. Why is God doing this? Is this some sort of punishment? But the reality is that Christ is watching us and is going to intervene, going to help us through it. Like he helps Peter get out of the boat and walk onto the waves that were so threatening and into the wind that was so violent towards him, right? helping him live through the problem, live into the problem because he's there with faith in him. 
And so our Lord is not a friend who takes away all of our problems. He's a friend who knows what's truly good for us. He wants us to be like him, capable of suffering with trust, suffering, offering it up to the Father out of love and suffering to offer it for our sins and the sins of others. Suffering to be truly united with our Lord at moments on the cross when he is on the cross. Our Lord is not a rich father who spoils his children and makes everything easy for them. Gives them the easy job and gives them, buys them their way into the best college and always swoops in to get them out of trouble. Because what does that do to a person? Well, it makes them self-centered and spoiled and superficial and soft and useless. They don't really help anyone. Lord Jesus, you trust us to be like you. This friendship with you, Lord, ultimately makes us like you, identifies us with you. And you came to serve and not to be served and to give your life as a ransom for many. So Lord, help us, help us to process the difficulties in life, the great sufferings we have to go through in life at times in the right way. And how do we do that? We'll keep talking to our Lord about it. Don't lose, don't lose faith in him. Keep telling him what you're going through. Tell him your complaints. Jesus complained to the Father in the agony in the garden. Jesus complains to the Father on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in the act of continuing to pray, continuing to cry out, he's also continuing to trust and continuing to do God's will, to do what pleases the Father, while at the same time telling the Father all that's occurring to him. If it's possible, let this chalice pass from me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus himself gives us a great example. He who always did what was pleasing to the Father, at times thanks the Father, at times worships the Father most of the time, loving and thanking, worshiping the Father explicitly. But then at other times he's still loving, but he tells the Father what's wrong, what he thinks in his humanity at least is going wrong or is difficult. This loneliness on the cross, this suffering on the cross, why have you abandoned me? The anticipation of the passion and already starting to feel like a sinner. Let this cup pass from me. And so we tell our Lord everything. Lord, thank you so much for being this close and intimate friend who's always with us, even when it seems like he's not. I can tell you, Lord, about my joys, about my sorrows, about my hopes, about trifles that happen to me, about the potholes I run over, I can tell you, Lord, about everything because you're interested in everything. You have a care over me that's infinite and tender. And even when I go through difficult things, you're still there caring for me, helping me through it, knowing, Lord, that somehow it's for my good. You know absolutely that it's for my good, but I don't at times. So I trust you with myself more than I trust myself. And I tell you my thoughts, Lord, so that you can perhaps fix them or replace them or laugh at them or at least put them in perspective for me. 
St. Catherine of Siena had an experience of this, similar experience, going through a great time of temptation, great kind of trial, interiorly, blasphemous thoughts, impure thoughts. And so when it ended, she complained to Jesus, where were you, Lord? Where were you when I was fighting so hard? And Jesus said, I was right there in your heart watching you fight. I was right there with you, watching you struggle, cheering you on, helping you invisibly. This is our Lord for us. And this was our Lord for his mother. And this was his mother for him. Right? When Jesus was a child, who would he tell things to? Who would he tell his little problems and concerns and little stories? He would tell them to Our Lady. And then when he got older and all the time as God, Mary would tell him her things, opening up to him and he would open up to her. So we go to her. Our Lady, teach us to talk to your son. Teach us to be great friends in your son, in good times and in bad regularly telling him our things and also trying to make that a habitual attitude to always tell him what's happening to us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.